When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast, the instant reaction show. Every week after the Rams games, here we are from Turf Show Times. I'm Kenneth Arthur with me, Chris Daniel and J.B. Scott. And for instant reactions, you know, it's good to have these moments directly after Rams games to really feel those emotions and the reactions. And they're always the best when the games come down to the final moments. This did not feel like a game that was going to come down to the final moments. The Rams leading 21 to three at halftime, 28 to three in the third quarter. Obviously, that is a very significant number for the Falcons. And they tried their best to make the most of it, cutting the lead to 31 25 in the final moments unexpectedly. And Matthew Stafford threw a couple of interceptions. Cooper Cup had a turnover in the final few minutes there to give Atlanta another opportunity to score and, you know, potentially win the game. And that didn't happen. Jalen Ramsey did have an interception at the end of the game to seal the victory, which of course is going to feel and does feel like a good redemption moment for Ramsey, but nobody on the Rams should necessarily feel that positive about the win. I mean, Marcus Mariota, not one of the top, let's just say not one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. So Jalen Ramsey had that opportunity to snag one uh, from Mariota and end this once and for all. We thought, you know, even then it kind of, a, uh, you know, Mariota, again, he, I'm surprised he didn't have that ability or just chuck the ball, you know, and throw it and he didn't get that ball off. And the Rams come out 31-27 to get their first win of the season. Uh, Chris, let me go to you. You know, I, I know – uh, this was a game that did you did you feel comfortable at twenty eight to three and and at what point uh, did you really think you started to feel like maybe this isn't as good of a team the Rams that being as we had hoped for or expected going into the year? I felt very comfortable at twenty eight to three. It was um it was a situation where. You think, oh, man, how many points are we going to put up? How many points are we going to put up? And then slowly things start changing. And by the time we have that punt block go back to the house the other way, it's like, oh, my God, are we about to are we about to drop one to the Falcons? We needed to put up a big number on the Falcons for some redemption over what happened last week. We didn't get that. I'm, I don't want to sound too pessimistic, but I'm a little concerned um, for the rest of this season. I'm a little bit concerned. It's early, but I'm a little bit concerned. It is early, you know, but there were definitely concerns for the Rams going into the year. You know, like any team has, even if you win the Super Bowl, concerns about Stafford and his arm and the turnovers. And what do we get today? Two interceptions, even though Stafford – he started 12 for 12 and he throws an interception as kind of this microcosm of Matthew Stafford is the good and the bad. And he gave some of that bad today. 
maybe some concerns, you know, is this a one trick offense? Is there a rushing, uh, you know, attack? Is there uh, somebody other than Cooper cup who can make plays as a receiver? And, you know, a lot of those kind of issues came out of light today is the, is the, do the Rams have good run defense? Do they have good tackling? Do they play sound fundamental football or, you know, are they kind of carried by their top four or five stars? And I think if you had those concerns, nothing in the first two weeks has assuaged those concerns. And as you say, maybe even made them worse. JB, the Rams come ahead out of this one, but you know, what is your initial, initial reaction following the game? And the, and the big swings, you know, as both, hey, remember the Rams are good, and then the swing back, which is uh, uh, the Rams, similar to the Bucks game in the divisional round of the playoffs last year, the Rams find ways to maybe let teams get back into it. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going to go with this, is there's, in the last handful of games the Rams have played, um, you know, you have two of these massive comebacks, and on one side of it is Tom Brady with the Buccaneers, and the other side is Marcus Mariota with the Falcons. So maybe the Rams don't come out as easily of this game with a victory if you have a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota on the other sideline. So um, it's, you know, as a Rams fan who went through decades of bad football during their, you know, the, the 2020 or the 20, the 2000s, of course. And then, you know, just recently they became a winning team, but I'm never going to, you know, begrudgingly accept a victory. And I'm always happy to just call it a win, even if it's ugly. So, but it's definitely a, a cause for concern that, you know, in the Buccaneers game, you had the Cam Akers fumbles, not allowed them to get back into it. This time it's Matthew Stafford's interceptions. It's the mistakes in the secondary. It's a blocked punt. And I think, you know, so the thing to be concerned about moving forward is this depth in the secondary where Troy Hill gets injured early in the game. David Long Jr. also comes out. You know, Jacoby Durant, he had that interception, but not really, you know, a spectacular play by him. He was just Johnny in the, on the spot and right in the right place at the right time. But we got to make sure these young guys are ready to play moving forward. And if not, it could really be a problem because that, that touchdown to Zacchaeus, he was wide open. And uh, yeah, you got to get those corrected because you have the desperate 0-2 Cardinals coming in next week. Yeah, and there was also uh, sort of thoughts of, you know, going into the years, what's the who's going to play opposite of Leonard Floyd? How are the Rams going to create pressure outside of their one dominant future Hall of Famer, Aaron Donald? Early in this game, Bobby Wagner had a sack. Late in the game, Justin Holland, Hollins had a key sack uh, of Marcus Mariota, you know, and those two sacks as well as one by Kobe Durant. Um, and again, again, it's like just Johnny on the spot. You know, this was a game that Leonard Floyd came in um, injured, uh, did play, had one tackle, two QB hits. Is this uh, part of the issue, Chris? Do you think that part of the issue here for the Rams moving forward is going to be whether or not they have, you know, an ability to create pressure on the quarterback? Because today it's Marcus Mariota who finished 17 of 26, 196 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, and we talked about that last interception. He was sacked three times. Uh, but, you know, in the future it'll be, Kyler Murray, or in the future, uh, who I just happen to think about right now, because as I'm talking, the Cardinals score a touchdown, it looks like, on the last play against the Raiders, uh, trying to uh, tie that game. Um, but in the future, you know, these are the, the Rams we saw in the playoffs last year. You know, I had to face Joe Burrow or Tom Brady, and, and it'll only go on and on. So, Chris, how concerned are you about the defense and the pressure? 
Yeah, I would like to see, uh, obviously would like to see more pressure. Just like you said, three sacks, one came early, one came late, and one was kind of uh, midway through the third or fourth quarter. Um, we definitely need to get more pressure. Von Miller's not walking through that door. Um, Terrell Lewis, he, he shined in moments last season. Um, and Justin Hollins had a good start to the season last year prior to his injury. So I do think that we'll be able to generate some sort of consistent pressure to an extent. It may not be what it was last year down the stretch when we had Von Miller, but we're definitely going to need to get some of these quarterbacks on the back. Kyler Murray, he, he can run around. Anyone that's watching this game right now, any, he can run around. We have a lot of mobile quarterbacks on our schedule. You know, Now, we do have to – also account for Jimmy Garoppolo now because Trey Lance is done for the season. Um, but we're definitely going to need to get pressure. We expected maybe more pressure to come up the middle with uh, Bobby Wagner being used as a, a, a blitzer more often than not. Uh, and he has, you know, back-to-back -back games with the sack. But we definitely need to, to get more pressure. We need to get more pressure to force more bad throws maybe generate some more interceptions on the back end due to pressure. I mean, that's that's definitely going to be something for Raheem Morris to, to figure out um, and Sean McVay and, and Bobby Wagner and all these veterans, Aaron Donald, on the Rams defense moving forward, you know, going up to one-on-one. -on -one. You mentioned Trey Lance's injury, the 49ers beating the Seahawks. So the 49ers are one-on-one -on -one and they'll – you know, move forward with Jimmy Garoppolo. It just seems so everything sort of fell into place for the 49ers, that long offseason of not getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, holding on to him at the last second, almost like, uh, are they really getting ready to play Jimmy Garoppolo? And then Trey Lance in the beginning of his season, it was kind of like, is the, are they really going to play an FCS quarterback for this whole season? And now they will be going with Jimmy Garoppolo for the rest of the year. So the 49ers are one and one. And obviously we just saw the 49ers uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo in the NFC championship game. And then you've got the Seahawks falling to one and one uh, and you got the Cardinals hanging around. Um, but for the Rams, you know, improving to one and one and, and definitely with 15 more games and a long season ahead, you know, this opportunity for Stafford to have his prove it season. JB, do you have any concerns about Matthew Stafford having that prove it season? We saw him win one Super Bowl. You know, if he wins two, you know, then all of a sudden he's uh, somewhere in between, I guess, Eli Manning and Peyton Manning, you know, where it's his name. Maybe he's not as bad as Eli Manning. Maybe he's not as good as Peyton Manning. But do you have faith in Stafford based on the little uh, sample size we have so far? Yeah, it always seems like I'm being too critical of Stafford, so I try to watch what I say. But um, I think what's concerning for me is we, we saw the, the highest of the highs during this playoff stretch, and that's when we saw his best football last year. And, you know, he was a big part in getting the team to the Super Bowl and getting them over the hump and coming away with the, with the championship ring. But I really thought coming into 2022 that we'd be getting that level of performance. But it seems like maybe there's just a regular season version of him and uh, he, the, the good plays come just as often as the bad. And, um, you know, five interceptions through two games, that's pretty concerning. But that's just who he is. And he's probably going to lead the league in interceptions again this season in the NFL. I don't really see anything changing in that regard. But um, if you give him credit, you know, Cooper Cup wasn't really 
the focus of the offense in the first half. He was spreading the ball around, got, got Allen Robinson involved, Cam Akers both involved in the on the ground and through the air. So I think those are positive developments for the Rams offense. And, you know, the Falcons defense, they're not going to pressure you. They're not going to really give you the most difficult test they're going to have this season. But, um, you know, Stafford still turned the ball over twice. The interception to Higby I thought was really egregious just because he never really seemed – open it at all in the play when he took that shot to the end zone. So um, just being overly aggressive, I think, is the MO there. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Chris? Matthew Stafford, five interceptions in the first two games. He uh, did have 17 interceptions last year. And, you know, I think that that is something to uh, weigh the good and the bad. 41 touchdowns, you can have 17 interceptions maybe. Josh Allen, Tom Brady, these are all players who had more than 14 interceptions last season. Um, But do you feel concerned about this current rate or this ratio, especially, you know, teams having now a full year of kind of analysis of Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, and maybe some of the smarter defensive coordinators and defensive players getting position uh, to take advantage of those Stafford risks. You know, he takes a lot of risks and sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. So what's your grade for Stafford in this game? I would give him a, a B minus um, grading on the curve, but in, in all fairness, so that, that interception, that first interception was just egregious. Uh, Casey Hayward had that locked down. I'm not sure what Stafford saw on that particular play. Uh, I feel like the second interception by Walker, Mikhail Walker, I, I feel like that was more so just a good play, a good defensive play. Uh, like you said, he started off hot, um, cooled off. This is just – this is what Matthew Stafford is. I'm not going to be mad at – too mad when he throws the interception unless it's egregious like the one – towards Kyler, Tyler Higby, this is this is what it is. Now, in context, he's playing behind a, a, a reshuffled line that did pretty good today, only gave up one sack. Falcons put up, uh, I think, four sacks last week uh, against, the, against the Saints. So, I mean, they're not known for their defense, obviously, but in the small sample size prior to this game, they had a decent amount of pressure on the opposing quarterback. You know, 272 yards, one sack. Those two interceptions look really bad, especially the first one. I'm not going to be as down on Stafford um, as some people may be this week. But the five interceptions total in two weeks is concerning, and you cannot overlook that. When we get into competition against uh, better teams than the Falcons, he could have those same exact numbers and he can have one interception that's horrendous and one interception that the defender just makes a good play. But against a better team and a better quarterback, the results may be different. And then we may look at Matthew Stafford a little bit different. Chris, who do you think would take the most blame for this, you know, part of the offense? If we, if we take away just uh, Stafford's interceptions and, and the full picture here, 26 carries uh, for 65 yards. Now, that's the caveat that there's a Brandon Powell negative on there. But Daryl Henderson, 10 carries, 47 yards. Cam Akers, after his very um, 
you know, uh, and I don't know what to say. Three carries, no yard. After his, you know, his first week, 15 carries, 44 yards, 2.9 yards per carry, two catches, 18 yards. Um, and then you've got the weapons outside of Cooper Cup, who has 11 catches, 108 yards, two touchdowns, and minus the fumble, another Cooper Cup game. Um, it's another week where Tyler Higby seems to be uh, the second biggest option here. And then Allen Robinson, four catches, 53 yards, no 2-2 Atwell, no, uh, you know, obviously I wasn't expecting to see Jacob Harris in this game. I don't, I, there was, he's, there was no chance really of that. Ben Skowernick, two catches, 16 yards. Chris, who do you think would take the blame for is the distribution of the ball uh, going in the right uh, directions and the run game? Is that, was that successful enough on Sunday? I mean, start off with the passing game and you had, you had five receivers get more than two catches. Brandon Powell threw in another catch, one catch for six yards. So I'm not, I don't have a problem with the distribution yet. We also have to take into consideration that Van Jefferson, um, is going to be making his return soon. He won't alleviate all these problems, but to have that third legitimate weapon, which I really do feel like, I, I really do feel like Jefferson is that. Uh, I, I feel like that will help the offense. Uh, I have to put the blame. Ugh. I mean, I'm going to put the blame on, on, on the coaches. I'm going to put the blame on Sean McVay uh, for the simple fact that we have to figure something out in this run game. The Rams have been known going back to Jared Goff as a run first team. We have to figure out the run. I don't care if we're reshuffling the offensive line. Your job is to make it work. Let's make it work. Now, with that being said, I do have to, we put up 31 points, right? So, if we put up 31 points, I'm going to be hopeful that the defense is more than likely going to find a way to alleviate a team from consistently making that a contest. 31 points, I'm hopeful for a Rams victory. 31 points against the Falcons, I'm expecting a pretty comfortable victory. So if we flip it over to the defensive side, and actually not even the defensive side, we did give up a touchdown on special teams. All right, that's not going to happen every game. It better damn not happen every game. So, I mean, I think initially, if I can just move through my frustration and analyze this game fairly, I got to I got to put it on. I got to put it on me because that's one bad throw, in my opinion, one bad play for Stafford. I can't really off the top of my head think of, oh, he really messed up here, too. He missed missed Ben Skoranek late that would have given us a first down and really went a long way to closing out that game. But other than that, I can't think of anything that was just demonstratively bad for Matthew Stafford. Yes, uh, I I really think that's important to emphasize the, you know, um, how these scores happened right so uh there was the blocked punt touchdown and and overall you know whether or not the rams played bad enough to lose or if they played and you know circumstances of unusual things happening may have uh been a perfect storm to make the game closer than it could have been um but at the same time in that second half offense really fell apart after the opening drive 
you know, blocked punts, but punts, um, getting down and having first and goal and then ending up with a field goal, not being able to get it in from the one with two plays. Um, JB, are there any concerns that you have about the usage of Allen Robinson, Tutu Atwell? Um, I mean, I still am stunned that we're a couple weeks in. And I was I was told by Sean McVay all offseason that Tutu Atwell is balling out. He doesn't need to play in the preseason. Um, and, you know, it didn't make me feel concerned about Van Jefferson's injury whatsoever because all of this talk about how Allen Robinson and Tutu Atwell and Ben Skoranek were just playing so well. Any thoughts there on the uh, weapons around Stafford? Yeah, I think on a positive note, one thing I really find encouraging is that Ben Skoranek, Cooper Cup, and Allen Robinson all lined up in the backfield. And Robinson had that touchdown. It didn't count, of course, because the refs blew the whistle because of, you know, maybe someone was being evaluated for a concussion or something like that. But I thought that was a really cool play. And then Cup also lined up in the backfield. And then Matthew Stafford's primary read was on the other side of the field. So it manipulates the defense and the fact that, you know, they have to account for whenever you have a starting wide receiver in the backfield. And, you know, that coverage probably shifts that way a little bit. And then you're you're reading the other side of the field, and um, you're making you're making them allocate resources one side of the field whenever you're focused on the other side of the field. And I think that's a really cool trait. And uh, hopefully, we see the Rams continue to work those guys in the backfield moving forward, just because we've seen the Rams have success on that in the past, and they're finding new ways to tweak and develop that too. So I think really cool, really cool uh, factoid, and we'll see how it shakes out moving forward. But um, yeah, I think. I do think subjectively Daryl Henderson has been a much better runner than Cam Akers at this point in the, in the year too. Um, it's only two games. Cam Akers only had three runs last week, but he just seems much more physical and has a burst to, you know, rip off these chunk yards too. So we'll see how that, uh, if they can get a bit of a different mix moving forward, but to be determined. JB, the Rams come out of this one and one, if they had come out of this, Oh, and two, uh what a world what a conversation we'd be having right now because they have to go to arizona in week three they have to go to san francisco in week four two of your most important games on the schedule if you're a team road divisional games you know the games that are maybe the toughest to win on your schedule and those are the next two weeks any fears here now of going oh and two in those games can can i mean is do the rams feel weaker to you now than they might have say, a week, uh, a week and a half ago before facing the Bills? No, I don't think so. I think, if anything, the Cardinals really seem uh, damaged because they've gotten so far behind the eight ball early in these games, and teams can really get on top of them. And you just look at Kyler Murray's body language, and it seems like it really affects him in some way, that you know, if they're behind 10 points, he might not have a feeling they can come back. He's not an optimist like Russell Wilson has been in, in Seattle in the past, right? So I think um, he wears his emotions on his sleeve and you can really get after him. I do think the 49ers might be more form- formidable with Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Trey Lance, just because he plays that the Josh Allen game plan where he dumps the ball out fast and gets rid of it quick and mitigates that Rams pass rush. It just creates such a small margin for error for the other side of the football, where if you're not scoring on possessions and making the most of your opportunities, when you have the ball, the clock's going to get away from you and it's really going to shorten that game. And, uh, it's going to work out in the opposing team's favor just because they're in control for most of the time. So I think, yeah, if the Warriors weren't 0-2 in this game, it'd be a significantly different feeling. Um, They'd have to make some serious changes, but 
they righted the ship. A win's a win. And you got to just build on that from here. Well, it's funny as you say that, you know, uh, Kyler Murray, the Cardinals were down 16 points to the Raiders today. And in the second half, score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion, score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion, force overtime. So whether or not they will feel more momentum and confidence after this game, uh, still to be determined uh, as the Cardinals uh, right now, they're tied in overtime and and giving the Raiders an opportunity to win this game. We'll see. But those are two uh, very interesting and, and definitely important matchups. That's for sure. These next two weeks, Chris, your thoughts on the Cardinals and 49ers over the next two weeks. Okay. So before I get into that, I, I wanted to say something about something you, you said earlier, uh, Kenneth, uh, you said assuage, beautiful SAT word. Okay. So the 49ers, <laughs> I agree with JB. I, I think the 49ers are more dangerous with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, because we've seen what that team can do behind him. Uh, a Super Bowl appearance, NFC Championship appearance. No, that's not all Jimmy G, but that's part of he's part of the formula there on that offense. The Cardinals, even if the Cardinals win this game, so so we're used to the Cardinals starting off hot, but we're also used to the Cardinals struggling without DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't really view them as a huge threat. Now, the way that the Rams are playing right now, anything can happen. But over the course of the season, I'd expect the Cardinals to do what the Cardinals do and falter down the stretch. And if they're starting off kind of lukewarm at best, then I'm not really, I'm not really going to give them too much more time on this podcast. Always concerned about the 49ers. Uh, and then why not let's just go ahead and throw in the Seahawks right now. They are one and one, right? So I, I'm going to say if I had to rank my concern right now inside the division, obviously 49ers, uh, then Cardinals, but not far behind the Seahawks, only because we saw Geno Smith against the Rams last season. And it, it kind of dotted us up a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's going to happen again, but it has happened. So I'd be foolish to say that it can't happen again. I mean, I'm with you guys. I think that Trey Lance was not ready for the NFL, um, even though he's much more talented than Jimmy Garoppolo. And in a year or two, maybe that'll sound like a wild statement uh, to think that Trey Lance wasn't better for the 49ers because he does have so much more talent than Jimmy Garoppolo. But as you say, we just saw the 49ers nearly reach the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo and do it two years earlier with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I definitely think the 49ers are more in a more comfortable position today with Jimmy Garoppolo and they beat the Seahawks. And uh, I think, I mean, the Seahawks, to me, they can't score any points with G Geno Smith. Um, and that's been sort of the case since the first half of that game against the Broncos in week one. Uh, but the Rams, you know, are an, another interesting case of sort of a tale of two halves, as we saw against the Falcons in week two. Uh, Cooper Cup, 11 catches for 108 yards and two touchdowns, but he did have that fumble. Ernest Jones leading the Rams in tackles again, 12 tackles, five solo tackles, a tackle for a loss. 
that seems to be something of a strength uh, for the Rams right now. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on Ernest Jones and you know the the interior of the defense being able to get that job done? First smile I cracked since we started talking. I <laughs> Bobby Wagner's impact on Ernest Ernest Jones played good last season, right? He had his moments. Uh, interception against the Texans, balled out in the Super Bowl. Bobby Wagner's imprint on Ernest Jones is already visible. This dude is going to be a bleeping baller. I love it. I'm fired up about the strength of the defense right up the middle. I'm, I, don't, I don't have a lot of negative things to say about the defense. Um, we went from going nine, uh, allowing the Bills to convert nine of 10 attempts on third down. Uh, this week, what was it, three of 10? So there's an improvement there. Uh, rushing held them under, two, un, under uh, 100 rushing yards, under 200 passing yards. I'm not, I, I think this is going to end up being a defensive team. This is going to end up being a defensive team that can still score points on offense. I, I like the defense. I think the defense is going mm-hmm. to get it together. We do have things to work on. I'd like to see our cornerbacks not lined up 10 yards off the receiver every single play. Um, but I do think that the defense will end up being uh, a solid unit. JB, give me a preview here of your winners, winners and losers, maybe just one winner, one loser, maybe your biggest uh, point of emphasis for this guy did a good thing all game long, or, or and this may gives me hope for the fact that the Rams will be just fine. And maybe one loser, somebody who he has a tough game, maybe he had a tough game in week one. Maybe it's a position, maybe it's the offensive line, maybe it's Raheem Morris, maybe it's uh Liam Cohen. You know, anything that you could think of. If you could give me a preview of your winners and losers with one winner and one loser, what would that be? Sure. And I think it was a pretty big surprise for the Rams whenever Tremaine Ankrum went down early in that game. Sounds like he's doing with an ankle injury. But you know, AJ Jackson, the undrafted player he's in his second year he slotted right in at right guard and uh, I don't think he really missed a beat I thought he was pretty impressive and Jackson's always a solid player in the run game uh, you know didn't necessarily move the needle in week two here because you know the Rams maybe just almost had that 100 yard mark before that Brandon Powell negative 30 yard mark to get the safety and preserve the win but um, yeah I think it could have been a lot worse for the Rams on the offensive line missing you know Tremaine Ingram but you, know, you got to give credit to Jackson for getting the job done, of course. And I think on, on the loser side, you know, Troy Hill went down early. David Long Jr. came out. And about the time Long came out, Rochelle went in. And it sounds like the reports were indicating that he was maybe hobbled a bit in warm-ups and maybe not 100% for this game. But he comes in, and Drake London catches a touchdown pass right over the top of him uh, in his coverage probably. And I think that's just a big concern because I, I was expecting, you know, Rochelle to take a step forward after, you know, minimal opportunities as a rookie. But um, if Troy Hill or Long Jr. miss much time moving forward, I have a lot more confidence, I think, at this point in Kobe Durant than I do Robert Rochelle. So we'll see who earns the opportunities moving forward. Yeah, that's a a great point about the offensive line, Chris. I know uh, you 
always have thoughts on the offensive line that are interesting. So what were your thoughts there on the offensive line? Maybe you've got a uh, winner and a loser uh, from this game. First of all, I agree right there with you, JB. I, they didn't really – it wasn't a noticeable – I think the first play he may have allowed some penetration, and I was like, uh-oh. But after that, I didn't notice him. And that's what you want from an offensive line. You as they show the Falcons punting, uh, blocking the punt and running it back in on the red zone highlight reel. Um, I, I, you, you didn't miss anything with him being in the lineup. So that is a major, major positive. They even had old Bobby Evans come in as the big jumbo tight end. For the, I was concerned there. I don't want to see him on the field at all. Just don't do the jumbo package if we have to have him in there. But yeah, I, I feel like AJ Jackson really, really played well, just being thrusted in there. And, and during the week, he had to be prepared to step in for uh, Joe Noteboom, just in case Joe didn't play. So he was mentally prepared to play, and I, I really feel like it showed. I'm fired up about what I saw out of him. Um, we just got to get healthy on that O-line, man. We got to get healthy on the O-line. It, it should do wonders. Yeah, health, always uh, an important note, you know, and uh, this week it was Brian Allen, Van Jefferson sitting out and Leonard Floyd making it back in. Uh, we didn't hear much from Floyd this week. You know, it's kind of an ongoing story with Leonard Floyd. He could be the biggest star or maybe you just don't hear much from him. And for the Rams, you know, this defense and moving forward, just like you say, Chris, I agree with you that I think the, the defense has to step up and be the stronger unit this year. And that is going to have to come from players who will need to have their breakout seasons. You know, there's only so much that a Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and a Leonard Floyd and a Bobby Wagner can do. As you say, we've seen another step forward here for Ernest Jones. Um, Jacoby Durant had a sack and an interception and, and, you know, it's only a second game. So can continue to get better, but also like JB said, I am surprised that Robert Rochelle, you know, based on the very little amount that we saw on him in his rookie year felt like, Hey, this is a fourth round steal. Um, and at least by his second year, he could be stepping up and standing out. And right when the time when the Rams need it, that hasn't quite been the case. You know, similarly, Jordan Fuller and his big Rick rookie year, and then in the second year, you know, it kind of like fades out away a little bit, then gets injured, and now there are, you know, it's uncertain exactly who the top two safeties are going to be week to week for the Rams, and, and what's the future like at that position. So there's so many interesting questions that come out of this game, but I do think that the most important thing is, hey, you know, if you can come out with wins, just get as many wins as you can, because you might find the answers later in the year. And as long as you have the best possible seed for the playoffs that you can get, then who cares about, you know, things that may have gone wrong during a week to win against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and I think the Falcons, you know, before we get out of here, you know, guys, I'm curious. Did the Falcons impress you more than you thought that they would? Or do you think the Rams let them in this game? What do you think, Chris? I feel like with those kind of questions, it's always a little bit of both. The Falcons didn't quit. The Falcons, that block punt happens off of effort. You know, 
they didn't quit. They didn't give up. They kept fighting. They kept believing that's going to probably serve them well down the road. Hey, we stood toe to toe with the Super Bowl champs. We went down 25 points. We fought back to bring it to within six. And then what was it? Uh, four with the safety, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that's a situation where we played a team that didn't quit again. Every game this year, we're going to get the best that the opposing team has to offer. And that's basically what we saw today. Yeah, I thought that, uh, you know, Drake London now in his second game here, uh, over 80 yards after going over 70 yards the week before. He's a rookie playing with Marcus Mariota, playing in the Falcons offense. Looks like a stud already. Uh, you mentioned the might the play by Michael Walker for the interception. I agree, just a fantastic play. And he's a good young player coming up since he came into the league. Uh, JB, uh, Falcons, more impressed by them than he thought? Yeah, I think that offense has the potential to be good. Maybe a prime landing spot for one of these top quarterbacks in the draft next year. But I really was expecting more out of them. I thought they'd give be a lot more creative on the ground and really challenge the Rams in that facet. But, you know, maybe give the Rams credit for bottling them up and not really making much of an impact in that time. And, uh, you know, good job for the Rams. They really slowed them down when that when it when it mattered most, of course. Yeah, you know, get a win over the Falcons. That was something hoped for going into the year. Uh, and that's what happened. So Rams are one and one. Subscribe to the Turf Showtimes podcast. Go to turfshowtimes.com for articles from Chris Daniel, JB Scott. We got winners and losers, instant reaction, all kind of things after the game. Follow Turf Showtimes on Twitter at Turf Showtimes and come back next time. We'll have a preview of the Cardinals later.